0: We've been focusing on tendencies for most of the series, and in this discussion, introducing the final competency, we're going to highlight the most disempowering tendency that one can have, as well as the most empowering one. So let's put on our self-awareness cap and ask ourselves the following questions. Are you a blamer? Do you have a tendency to criticize, a tendency to put down, to always blame, saying things like, it's your fault, you're making me unhappy, you're the source of all my problems, you change. Do you suffer from having a victim mentality? Do you live your life seeing yourself as spilled milk? Imagine somebody thinking about themselves that way. How sad it is. In fact, when you say, don't cry over spilled milk, this is the spilled milk I would cry over. Because if you see yourself as a victim with no options, it's completely disempowering. But unfortunately, blaming and excuse making is very popular today. It starts early in life, blaming parents, blaming teachers, and anybody else that was an influence. Later it becomes blaming spouses, bosses, children. It's become the way of the victim society to sue everybody in sight. Fingers are pointed everywhere, which basically condemns the victim to a painful and unproductive life. And then there are those people who see themselves as victims of circumstances. Not just of people, but of circumstances. And they'll say things like, if only I had his money or her looks, or his brains, or her brains, then I'd be successful. See, that's why I'm not successful, because I don't have what they have. They call these people the prisoners of hope, and in many cases, so untruthful, because if they're not doing anything with the brains that they have, who says they would do anything with the brains the other person has? You see, because success is not so much dependent on the resources you have as much as it depends on your mindset, and the blaming mindset is not a recipe for success. In marriage, as in every other relationship, blaming and victimhood is counterproductive. It won't get to anything good. So when couples argue about whose fault it is, I tell them that I don't like to get into percentages. I just say, be a taker of responsibility. Now, what does that mean? There's a definition for taking responsibility in a book called The Oz Principle, which focuses entirely on this idea of taking responsibility. And it runs like this making a personal choice to rise above my circumstances to achieve the results I desire. Ask yourself, what else can I do to achieve my desired results? So even if your spouse is 80% at fault, own up and pick up your piece, even though it's only 20%, and make something happen. See, relationships are dynamic, and you're a part of it. So be the better for focusing on your 20%. You know, they say that feedback is the breakfast of champions. And that's because a champion, at one point, was doing something well. But with feedback, he became a champion. He wasn't satisfied with mediocrity. He didn't say things like, well, I'm doing well enough. Why do you have to keep pointing out my shortcomings? And that's because he wasn't satisfied with mediocrity. He wanted to become a master. So that's like that in every part of our life where we're looking to be successful. What could I be doing differently? How can I evaluate my performance and see the ways I could have done even better? Now, let's use an example in marriage and specifically with communication. So I might say things like, I communicated and I got a bad reaction. So I blame my spouse for not receiving what I said. Or I can look a little more closely at how I communicated my message. I can ask myself, was what I chose to share an important thing to share to begin with? Or was it one of those things that was just worth letting go? And if I come to the conclusion that it was the right thing to share... I can ask myself, did I share it at the right time? Maybe there were some other stresses going on and was not really the best time to share it. Was I sensitive? Did I use the right words? Let me reflect back on how I did it. So if I had a performance of 75% effectiveness, can I try it again and see if I could increase it to 80, 85% effectiveness? That's the mindset of a champion. So we see the pervasiveness of blaming. How do we become people who take responsibility? And I think there's one great line that is programmed in the mind of a master. And that if we integrate it into our lives, it would transform us into people who take responsibility. it comes out of a story that I once came across many years ago, a book on coaching written by a man by the name of Mike Shashevsky, who was a very successful college basketball coach. And in this book, he shares some of his coaching strategies, what he believed were the keys to his success. And here's a story that really hit me hard. He had graduated the West Point Military Academy in upstate New York, and he tells a story about what took place during Beast Barracks. Now, Beast Barracks is a term that describes the summer that these new cadets experience at West Point. And it's really an initiation which separates the men from the boys. Like, if you can survive Beast Barracks, you will likely have the medal to be a member of the military. One of the rules there is that anytime a superior addresses you, asks you a question, you as a new cadet have the option of choosing only one of three responses. You can either say, yes, sir, no, sir, or no excuses, sir. That's it. And so he tells one day about a time he and his friend decide to take a long walk on one of their breaks. It had rained the day before. And so when they were pretty far away from the barracks, the friend steps in a mud patch and some of the mud sprays onto Mike's boots. In West Point, you cannot walk around with dirty boots. But unfortunate for him, the moment that the mud hit the boots he noticed two of his superiors coming his way. As he would expect, they looked at him and said, why are your boots dirty? So he thinks to himself, oh, what are my choices? How do I answer the question? So I say, yes, sir, but that doesn't really answer the question. I can't really say, no, sir, my boots are dirty. All that was left for him to say was, no excuses, sir. And At that moment, the superior sent the friend away, Said, you can go, you're okay, because your boots are clean. And then they went ahead to give Mike the punishment of his life, you know, sit-ups and push-ups and all kinds of things to show him what happens to a cadet who walks around and defies the rules at West Point. And after he finishes all the push-ups and sit-ups or whatever else they asked him to do, and maybe some words that were not so kind, they sent him back to the barracks to change his boots. And so he gets up, and he starts his long trek back to the barracks. And during the first half of that walk back, he is so angry. And like a true victim, he's looking to sue the world. Who could he blame? He thinks to himself about how his friend got him into this trouble. How dare he get my boots dirty and not stand up for me. He gets upset at the cadets for being so harsh with him. He gets upset at West Point for having such ridiculous rules to say I can only say three things. Where is the option to say it wasn't my fault, sir? Didn't exist. What kind of crazy rules are there over here? And so he's suing the world. Typical victim. But somewhere along the way, He moved from being angry to becoming reflective. He started to ask himself, you know, West Point's been around for a long time. It's got a pretty good record. How could these rules make sense? How could they force me to an option of no excuses, sir? So he started to think back to what happened. And there he was walking with his friend. He's playing out in his mind. And he sees that the friend steps on the mud and the mud splashes onto his boots. And at that moment, he slows down this internal film. See, when he first reflected on the story, he remembered that the superiors were there right on the spot the moment the boots got dirty. But in reality, it wasn't like that. As he slows down this video, he realizes that there was actually a pause, a break between the boots getting dirty and the superiors coming to sight. And at that moment, he amplified the volume on the soundtrack and listened in on his self-talk. And here's how it sounded. Uh-oh, my boots are dirty. In West Point, you cannot walk around with dirty boots. But you know, what are the chances that someone's going to find me with the dirty boots? I'm going to just keep on walking and I don't think anyone's going to notice. And boom, right at that moment, the superiors came at the site. And it's at that point that he realized, hold on a second, I do have to take accountability. I made a calculated decision to stay with the boots and not go back and change. It was a calculated risk. And I blew it. And so then it suddenly dawned upon him, one of the things he's learning early on in the military academy is, before you sue the world, before you blame the entire universe for your problems, ask yourself, was there anything I could have done differently? Is there any way that I could have made that a successful experience? No excuses, sir. And so he claims that from that moment on, he lived by that mantra. And when he became a basketball coach, he made that the rule of his team. You can never give excuses. There's no option on the menu that says, it's not my fault, sir. It's his fault, sir. He did it, sir. We don't say that. He created an environment where everyone is forced to look inside, reflect, review, see it from different angles, find what you could have done differently. That's how you're going to become a master. The takeaway of this final competency is to get into the habit of saying, no excuses, sir. Words that reflect the mindset of a winner.